the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. Last week, we had a special guest with us, Allie Vandenherrick, author of The Shortest Leap, The Rational Underpinnings of Faith in Jesus. We have been really honored that we've been able to discuss her book with her. We have her here again today. Really excited. We're going to discuss her book a little bit more as a very important evangelistic tool for gaining souls for Christ. And that's the most important aspect of being a biblical citizen. She's our friend, and we've known her for 16 years. She graduated from both Stanford and Berkeley in science, and she has an MBA. And she has an amazing testimony of how she came to Christ out of atheism. And if anyone missed our discussion with her last week, you can go on KPRZ website or go on any podcast platform and and get that, listen to that discussion we had. And there's so much to talk about. This, there's so many rational underpinnings for faith in Jesus, including discoveries in science that answer so many questions that people have been arguing about, but they don't need to because science goes along with faith in Jesus and faith in the Bible. So today we're going to explore with Allie that if you really study science and logic and, and historical records, it all goes together. These provide prolific amounts of evidence for Jesus our, as our Redeemer, as well as the Supreme Engineer or God as the Creator. So uh, welcome to our show, Ellie. Glad to have you back again. I'm glad to be back again. Thank you, Kathleen. Good to hear you. <laughs> before, Ellie, before we get into questions, uh, and there, there's a lot of we're going to try to cover today on rational evidence for Jesus as Redeemer, but let's talk a little bit about how we even know what we know. You have a great quote at the very beginning of your book from the French philosopher Blaise Pascal. He said, People almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not at the ba- not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. Now, you've been working on apologetics and on this book for over 20 years, and before that, you were at Stanford and Berkeley, and I'm sure some of your old friends at Stanford and Berkeley, they probably demonstrated to you that people often arrive at their beliefs on the basis of what they find attractive, not necessarily what is 
rational or what is supported by the most evidence. So can you tell us a little bit about your experiences with this and maybe some of the discussions you get into with non-believing friends? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think this is the case for most people. We, we have a, a view of the world that makes us comfortable. And any type of evidence that comes up against that, um, we try to filter out. I and mean, it's cognitive dissonance by definition. Um, but it's especially, especially true for spiritual matters because um, it's so much more involved than just the neurons in our brain. Um, the Holy Spirit, first of all, is responsible for changing our, our minds so that we want to be with the Lord. I truly believe that that's the only way that anyone can be saved. Um, you can try to shove all the evidence down someone's throat, but it's not going to work. It actually might make things worse if the Holy Spirit hasn't softened their heart. So um, I want to make that clear because, you know, it's easy to just have all this evidence and just want to have an argument with someone, but they're really not going to change their mind, and you may um, even push them away. So that was always Mm -hmm. the case for me growing up. My dad was a Christian, and I wasn't, and I just did not want him to share his faith with me at all. I didn't want to have to follow all those rules, and I knew I was a good person, so why did I need that? So it just it wasn't comfortable for me to hear the evidence. Um, but it's, this is the case for, for Christians as well, and I encourage those um, those Christians out there that, that just believe because, oh, that's the way I grew up, or that's the way I um, feel most comfortable with my Christian friends. I mean, that's, that's good, and I understand why, but it's really good to know why you believe what you do. Um, and believe me, the more I've studied apologetics, the more in love I have fallen with Jesus, my Savior. I feel so much more dedicated to Him and eager to do His will despite difficulties now that I understand how true everything in the Bible is. So I encourage Christians not to just be comfortable in their faith, but to really, really challenge themselves and to understand exact reasons and evidence for it. But um, but yes, it's it's so easy for people to, to, to reject Christianity, especially because they don't understand what it is. I think it's just a rule book that we have to follow. Exactly. And how, how boring is that? <laughs> so well, uh, I have a lot more to talk about. Yeah. I could talk about this forever. So I'll, I'll cut it <laughs> well, off. I can really attest to Pascal's quote as well. You know, mm-hmm. I did my master's thesis on the famous essay by the 19th century psychologist, William James, and he wrote a very famous essay called The Will to Believe. And he explored the psychology oh, yeah. of belief and determined that some beliefs are not affected by our will to believe, but some are our will, that is, especially those about God and the supernatural. Like you're saying, we have these spiritual beliefs that we don't want to be, don't want to have disturbed. But he also said that what you believe about God is the most important choice that you make in life. And he said it's a, a live, forced, momentous option and that we all have to make it. And even not to decide to believe about, you know, what you believe about God is a choice. You, you know, you make this decision, oh, well, I'm not going to decide what I believe about that. Well, that's a choice, too. And you talk about this element in your book, that someone might make the decision that the truth really can't be known. So that's a choice to decide that because then they never investigate it. Or they might say, well, you know, subconsciously probably to themselves, well, I want to avoid conflict, so I will decide that all beliefs are equally valid. And you said that you did that for a while. But there's a real problem yes. with that belief, isn't there? It, it, so tell us about Absolutely. the problems with, with believing that. 
Yeah, well, to believe that all religions are equally true, which is probably one of the most common common uh, worldviews in the in the United States, at least in Europe, um, is actually the most illogical stance to take, because you would have to believe that two conflicting realities were both true. So, for example, you'd have to believe that um, God really did create the universe in six days, and you'd also have to believe that, no, it's in existence eternally. Well, that's a scientific one that's been disproven. Um, or you'd have to believe that both Jesus did rise from the dead after three days, and he didn't rise from the dead, and he's just <laughs> yeah. a, a, a good moral teacher. <laughs> so yeah. th- these contradictory beliefs can't all be true. And you could say, well, it could be true for that person and not for that other person. Everybody's truth is different, but that's actually not the case. Um, truth is truth. <laughs> Something can't happen for one person and not happen for another person. It's just these things that happen in history either happened or they didn't happen. Yeah, there's an so, objective um, it's truth. Illogical. Yeah, and, and yeah. So I I get frustrated because I'm like, well, well I, a lot of Christians get a bad rap for wanting to say that their belief is the true belief, but if Jesus really did rise from the dead after three days and resurrect bodily in a form that we we too as his believers will have once we die, um, and then the new earth comes down, I won't go into detail there, but um, then we want to tell other people and we want people to know about these historical facts. It's not just some belief system that is, um, you know ethereal, these are historical facts that um, either happened or didn't happen. And because we believe they happened and there's evidence, we want other people to know. Wouldn't you want other people to know if this is such great news? It's, yes. it's awesome news. So, and it, because it can yeah. hurt you what you don't know or, or your contradictory right. del- beliefs. I made the, you know, it's, it's yeah, damaging to, ha- to believe in contradictory beliefs. And I experienced that in my it early is. life. It's very if you if you were if you were living physically in a way that was killing you, and a doctor did lab tests and saw that you were dying, would you want the doctor would you want the doctor to be truthful with you and tell you what the lab tests were showing and how you needed to change your lifestyle, or would you want him to say it uh, you're you're just fine one one habit is as good as another. Some people like to drink a lot. Some people like to use drugs, and some don't. Exactly. And everything's just fine. I don't know if I'd want to go to that doctor. Right, somebody. Exactly. That's t- actually how I start the book. <laughs> I give that that comparison. Oh, you mean I plagiarized that doctor. from you? Oh well, yeah, that must be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you stated it much better than I did. But yeah, if you're if you have two different doctors and one tells you, oh, you're fine, just go home, you just need a little rest, and the other one doctor says you have this fatal disease that unless you um, take this medication, you'll die. Who do you believe? Do you just trust the one that you, gives you the good news? Well, and I always say, if you, if you, yeah, if you get two contradictory ideas, if you are confronted with them, then what you do is investigate further. That's what you do. And you do the hard work of looking, looking up the answer, the true answer, because there can only be one true answer. And yes, it's yes or no. Sometimes like one is true and one isn't, uh, that you can't believe them both at the same time. And that's a law of contradiction, just like there's a law of gravity and a law of of relativity, as you've explained to us today. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Another law that we're um, we're abiding by in believing in. Yeah, and you're going to run up, you're going to have bad consequences if you run up against those laws and you don't realize that they are in existence and you're going to get in trouble if you don't you know, figure that out. (laughs) 
I hope I hope we have time uh, after the break to talk, Ellie, about some of the evidences you have, some of the historical evidences, both from secular sources and from biblical sources, that Jesus is who he said he was. First of all, he did say he was God, and secondly, there's a lot of evidence to support that and the resurrection, and we're going to talk about all that very, very soon. So I hope we can resolve, I think the three of us have, to on this phone, on this uh, interview, to try to live as much as we can by testing hypotheses against the scriptures, by using reason and logic, and continuing to investigate further, as Kathleen said, if we're confronted by seemingly contradictory facts, we need to uh, we need to investigate. And, of course, we want to live by the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So, Allie, is there any other uh, word you want to say on the break to, to wrap up this part of our conversation? No, I just, I, I do, I, I echo your sentiment. It's best to investigate and, and put the emotions aside until you've gathered all the evidence and then ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way we know what we know. Yes. Did you, write a, did you ever write a book before this book? Because this is really an epic tome. <laughs> this is the only one I've had time for. <laughs> well, I can un- yeah. anybody that takes a look at this book or cracks open this book will completely understand what Ellie just said. So we have some great things still to talk about. We'll be right back. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. We are back with Allie Vandenherrick, author of The Shortest Leap, Rational Underpinnings of Faith in Jesus. So we talked a little bit about how people arrive at their often illogical beliefs in the first half, but now let's turn to answering using logic and evidence the most important question of all time, and that is, namely, is Jesus God? And first, let's address if Jesus actually claimed to be God. You know, just a little story. I will never forget the Stanford professor who came and asked me after a talk I gave at an ex-Mormon conference. He looked at me and he said, so you really believe that Jesus is God? How did you get that from the Bible? I said, I read it. Can you can you can you relate to that comment, Ellie? Yeah. I mean, it's throughout oh, the yes. Bible. So. Well, I just think God is brilliant in His wisdom, uh, wise in His brilliance. <laughs> he wrote the Bible in such a way that we, the, those of us who've had our eyes opened by the Holy Spirit, can see all of the evidence so clearly in the form of biblical prophecy being fulfilled and Jesus' clear statements throughout the Gospels that He was God. Um, and yet, at the same time, God allowed people to have um, their own freedom of choice. So if you don't want to believe in him, you'll look at the Bible and you'll see the parts that, that you don't like, and you won't see evidence of Jesus saying, I am God, in just those three words. You will have the ability to look at it and say, nope, this is not for me. So God is is so amazing in allowing us to have that freedom of choice. So, But the, the I believe the evidence in the Bible is super abundant. I mean, you just have to be somebody that just picks and chooses and just looks at one page to not believe it. If you read the full Bible and you see the consistency of the story, 
um, it's just hard to miss um, how everything is pointing to Jesus. So, but I can give you a summary of how I kind of logically build that case, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Why don't, go, go ahead, because you, you mentioned secular sources and eyewitness statements and so on. So, yeah, yes. cover, cover some of that. It's, it's so confusing. So one of the things, I, having been a teacher, I taught for five years, I, I like to build a case, and I guess it's similar to what a lawyer does in court. If you start off, so I start off with the, the scientific evidence, which we talked about last week, and that scientific evidence is, is abundant. And I just chose, like you said, Brian, the, like seven primary proofs. Um, there is so much more, but to narrow it down just to those seven. So from that point, we can go to history. So the historical evidence section, we start with what's called the internal evidence, um, and that's basically evidence from the documents themselves. So you have statements by the, the gospel authors that they're telling the truth, that they are not making this up, that they're like wanting us to believe. So this evidence that the, the authors are actually saying this is truth. They're not writing a myth. They're not writing just a, a made-up story. They're actually claiming it's true. Now, of course, they could be lying, or somebody could have changed it later, but at least we know they were claiming it's the truth. And then from there, you go to other uh, internal evidence. Like, is there um, embarrassing things that they write about the church that they wouldn't have put in there unless it was true, that type of stuff? So the internal evidence takes up um, about five chapters in the book, and three of those chapters are on eyewitness evidence. So there is so much evidence throughout the Gospels that there, and also the Book of Acts that they're basing the stories on eyewitness evidence. And I won't go into a lot of detail there, but just know that three chapters is a, long, a lot of time to spend on eyewitness evidence. So I definitely encourage you to look there mm-hmm. um, to check those out. After the eyewitness evidence, then you look at external evidence, and that is evidence outside of the documents of the New Testament. So we look at all the different sources from around the same hundred years around Christ, um, after Christ, because they know about him, he, had, he came to earth. Those sources, there's about 12 of them that mention Jesus, and you can put together all of the primary details of what happens in the Gospels um, through those external sources alone. So it's, it's absolutely incredible um, how much evidence there is outside of the Bible for Jesus. And then after, in addition to archaeological evidence, I do go into a lot of detail about the evidence for the Exodus, in the Old Testament, just to kind of give more support to the the believability and the credibility of the Bible, Mm -hmm. Um, because there is so much evidence people don't realize for the Exodus. So it just kind of gives you an idea. These are historical events that have happened in time and space. They're not made up. They're not myths. Um, and then after the secular evidence, go into the documentary evidence, so evidence that the, the the documents of the New Testament and even the Old Testament hadn't changed very much since the day they were first written down. And you can tell that because they were copied so many times. So you can find out through all those copies where different little changes were made. And any of those changes, if they exist in our modern Bible, are pointed out, and they don't have any impact on the truth of Christianity, on, on the, the tenets of salvation by faith alone and that Jesus' resurrection and so forth. There are just so many tiny little changes that don't make any difference. Um, so few tiny little changes, I should say. And a lot of critics of the Bible say there's a lot of changes, and I, I dispel that, that claim. Um, and then finally, we go into the biblical prophecy and also the um, Old Testament symbolism pointing to Jesus, as well as his statements that he's God. I mean, I could have a whole chapter on how Jesus basically proves that he's God um, through his statements and through his actions. Um, and then we go into more detail in later chapters on like the existence of morality and the existence of beauty and whether um, love can exist if, if there is no God and all of 
these ideas that um, just explain the world around us in such a great way if we are looking at it through a biblical worldview. And then the last few chapters, which are my favorite, um, you have to read, I guess, there's 33 chapters, but the last three chapters are about the gospel and the uniqueness of the gospel and how it's such a beautiful um, concept that God gives us a free gift. We can't earn it. As soon as we make it about something we earn as humans, we are terrible. We become self-righteous. We look down at everybody else. We start arguments with people if they criticize us. We are just terrible. And so actually a, 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 a spiritual belief that's based on being a good person could make you a good person on the outside, but on the inside, um, you are full of self-righteousness and, and looking right. down at other people. So it has yeah. to be a free gift. I mean, and that is something that humans would never have come up with on their own. That just a, a perfectly wise and perfectly loving um, God would have to save us, um, and we can't do it at all on our own. Is is I think this comes from a divine source, and then it also motivates yeah. us. I mean, it's just got the power to transform lives like nothing else. Um, anytime you're working for a reward, you're going to be up one day and down the next day when you fail. It's just going to be a roller coaster. But if you know it's a free gift that can't be taken away from you, you are transformed. You want to devote your life to the person that's given this to you, Jesus, by dying on the cross, cross for us. You want to serve him. You don't want to disappoint him. And you know he forgives you when you do disappoint him. So each day when you fail, you can say, Lord, I'm sorry, and he, you know he forgives you. What an amazing transformational power that has on people's lives. Um, so I believe that is just evidence in and of itself that this, the gospel is of divine origin. So, I mean, that alone, if you don't need all those previous 32 chapters, I think. But on top of everything else, I like to call it the cherry on top of the, on top of the cake. <laughs> that's Well, I think but it just encourages us. Um, one of the most exciting things in, in our church right now, we're really being encouraged more than I have been in a long time to share the gospel, share the gospel. And, and there was a and study just, just shared. I want to mention in, in church this last Sunday, they mentioned there was a Barna study, and the Barna group uh, does studies of religious sentiment over, they have for decades, I think. And they just completed a survey this year, 2021, showed that perhaps surprisingly, there's a fairly good majority of uh, people in the United States who, at least in answer to the question, say they yes, they are open to reading the Bible. And more people than you mm. think actually do read the Bible at least once a week. I can't remember what the figure was. I think it was about 40%, way more than you'd think wow. living in, maybe especially because we're living in, in uh, really secular Southern California here. But uh, again, Right. combined with all the type of evidence that you're sharing and that you share in our book, Ellie, doesn't this give you more confidence to um, want to do apologetics, to want to share with people? Because it's so overwhelming, the evidence for the truth. Well, and just the beauty yeah, of it, like you say, it's it's beautiful. And, yep. and it gives people that love inside them that they are not going to have otherwise. I mean, yes, people can love each other, but but not to the depth and not to the understanding that that the gospel really gives us in knowing God himself. So, um, yeah, it is. It's, um, it's very uh, motivational. 
I have to admit that because I grew up with a father who I absolutely love. I mean, I've always loved him, but I definitely love him now as a a fellow Christian. But um, he was always wanting to get me to go to church and get me to listen to his arguments. And I just was like not ready. And I so I am very, very sensitive to talking to people about the Bible unless they're ready. So Mm. I try to make it very clear to people that I'm a Christian. I try to make it clear to people that I know a lot about Christianity and the evidence for Christ, but I never try to force it on anybody. So, but, however, that does not mean you can ask someone, like, do you want to know about Jesus? And if they say yes, then great. But if they're, like, not willing quite yet, just say, oh, well, if you ever do, let me know. I would love to explain. Hmm. Because a lot of people, they have these ideas about Christianity that are completely wrong. They grew up in a household where they were, it was works-oriented and not grace-based, so they just don't like Christianity, and it brings back bad memories. So you have to kind of ease your way in and just say, you know, I don't know if your um, understanding of Jesus is the right one. He is here to save you, not to judge you, although if you don't trusting him in the end, he will judge you. But I want you to know about him in a way that's true and not clouded with these emotions that might be backed up from your childhood. So I'm very careful um, to make sure that people are willing to hear. And I also, I had a friend who's... um, Ellie, I'm sorry, but I'm being this is a radio radio interview. <laughs> where um, I'd like yeah. to have you on for a third week, but I think we'll <laughs> I know, take a I, take a little bit of a I pause. But this forever, <laughs> this is this is fantastic, and you're so fluent in it. But thank you so much for being on our show today, and uh, look forward to talking with you sometime in the future again. And all the best for your book, and folks, check out this book, The Shortest Leap: Rational Underpinning for Faith in Jesus by Ali Vandenherrick, available on Amazon or on christianbook.com. To bless your neighbor this week, deepen your Bible study by studying the scientific and the historical evidence that support your faith in Jesus. Know that believing in Jesus, it's not anti-science. On the contrary, more and more scientific and historical evidence supports the fact that this earth could not have just happened. It could only have been designed by our Creator God. So, and it's thanks a beautiful so much. gospel. Yep. Thanks so much for listening. Listening audience, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibilities to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.